You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning, Harvest. Thank you for joining us online once again. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Ryan. I have the privilege of being on staff here at Harvest. I have been for the last few years, and uh, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to share a portion of this series that we're in this morning on dangerous prayers. Um, If you missed last week, Please make sure that you go back and listen. Um, You can watch that on demand now um, through Facebook or YouTube, or you can listen to our podcast. Um, Pastor Roy did an amazing job just kicking off the series um, with with the first prayer, which is entitled Search Me. Um, And this morning I'm going to be talking about Break Me. And next week, I can't wait, we're going to hear from Karen on the the prayer Send Me. Um, And if, if you're just maybe joining us for the first time, this whole series is coming out of a book from Pastor Craig Grishel called Dangerous Prayer. So we're talking about these prayers that are, you know, not your, maybe your typical, like, God bless his food and give me a great day, but prayers that really open our hearts and our, our lives up to the work that God wants to do in us. And so they're dangerous in the sense that they take us out of our comfort zone. And, and they're dangerous in the sense that they, they may push us into uncharted territory, or they may um, reveal things in our lives that we're uncomfortable with, but that God wants to change and shape. And I just, I loved the analogy that Pastor Roy shared last week. And I think it's applicable to the whole series. He talked about how he went to the, to the doctor for kind of a, a regular routine checkup and how he felt fine. Um, but when the doctor put the cuffs on and tested his blood pressure, it revealed that there was, there was something in him that although he didn't feel it, it wasn't obvious. It wasn't where it should be. And I think this, this whole series is kind of us saying, God, I want, I want you to, to put the blood pressure cuff on my soul and on my spirit and reveal to me if there's something that's out of place and reveal to me how I can make maybe significant changes in my life to align who I am and and my actions and everything with what you want to do because we we want to serve him we want to live a fulfilled life that's aligned with his calling so that's what this series about is about if you don't have the book um, you can order it it's it's a great read and there's so much more in that we're kind of just you know, highlighting things and hopefully starting a thought process for you. But there's a lot in the book that would really help you. So it's called Dangerous Prayers, um, and you can order that online. And I really want to encourage you this morning just to, to lean in and to take notes. And I know um, if you're like me, it's, it's hard when you're watching a screen. And we have, I think we have to be more intentional than usual, maybe putting our devices on Do Not Disturb, closing the comments, whatever it is. Um, especially, I feel like this morning, because um, I have the, the burden, whatever you want to call it, of sharing the prayer that I really think is the most challenging and the most um, maybe painful and scary to pray. And so I think in that, I think it would be easy if, if I were you and I'm sitting on my couch or in my living room or whatever, surrounded by the distractions of my home, um, it would be really easy to kind of gloss over the significance of the prayer that we're going to talk about this morning. And so I just want to give you kind of that extra challenge to do whatever you need to right now in this moment to just really connect with the message that we're sharing this morning. Um, and to begin, I just want to read 
Uh, a couple of stories from Mark chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles or your device or, or whatever, you can turn there so you can kind of read along. Um, and I'm just going to read these and then uh, share some thoughts and we'll jump in. So, but this is just to kind of give some context and we'll come back to these um, scriptures later. So Mark chapter 14, I'm going to start and just read verse 3. And it says that while Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Um, she broke the jar, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head, on Jesus's head. She broke it and she poured it. Um, so let's skip down. So, so Mark kind of outlines this story of, of this woman coming to Jesus in Bethany. And then he he seems to almost tie it together in the same chapter with a passage that, um, you know, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you're probably familiar with um, Mark 14, 22 to 24, which says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, and then he broke it. He broke the, be- the bread in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. And so Mark here in in recounting these stories, uses that same terminology, poured, broken and poured, broken and poured. And we're going to kind of connect these two thoughts. um. But before I go any further, I just want to pray. God, I just, I I thank you for this series and just for um, the the book from Pastor Craig Rochelle and just the, um, the insight and the challenge that it, that it brings before us. And God, I just ask this morning that your Holy Spirit um, would be in every, every home, every, through every screen, every device, however people are, are taking this in, or maybe it's not a Sunday morning. Maybe this is, you know, someone's listening in their car to the podcast or they're tuning in Wednesday night, just just watching the service back out. I just pray that it wouldn't just be words, it wouldn't just be kind of this, these random thoughts, but that your Holy Spirit would anoint everything that I say this morning, and um, that it would, God, that you would penetrate our hearts, um, and I'm praying this for myself too, God, that you would um, open me to what you want to do in my life, and that you would bring me to a place where I would be willing to be broken for you, God. Um, and so I just pray that in the the, the words that I speak right now, God, that there would be a supernatural anointing to open our understanding to what it means to be broken for you, God. And so I just pray that that would be the case in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so those of you that, that maybe know me um, a little bit would know probably that I, I like to run. Um, I like to, you know, kind of get out, pound the pavement, whatever, exercise in that way. And running's kind of a funny thing because if you, if you look at running kind of from the outside, it's, it's a very strange thing to do. So I was thinking about the fact that, that um, you know, gyms are closed right now, but that my wife and I actually pay on a regular basis for access to a gym. And oftentimes for me, whenever I go to the gym, um, the main thing that I do is just cardio workout. I just run on a treadmill. So I was thinking about the fact that if I'm explaining to someone, let's say someone that doesn't know what running um, as an exercise is, what I would be telling them is that I pay a regular fee to go somewhere and run for maybe an hour. And at the end of that, I've not moved anywhere (laughs) um, because I'm just running on a treadmill or whatever. And I'm, I'm, 
in pain, I'm sweating, I smell bad, and I get off the treadmill and I'm like, I can't wait to do that again tomorrow or, or whatever. Um, running's kind of a strange thing that way. And um, another thing that's fun about running is how people have, it seems like, one of two very different perspectives on running, right? So a fun conversation to start is you have like a, a random set of five or six people and you say like, oh man, who here just loves running? And there's a pretty good chance that half of the people will be like, oh man, I love running. It's just, it feels so good. I love it. And the other half are going to have the complete opposite point of view, right? So the other half are like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Running is painful. Um, it hurts every part of my body. It, there's no point to it. At the end of a long run, you're probably back where you started. You didn't move anywhere. All you did was just put your body through intense pain. Um, so it's kind of a funny thing in that way. And I, I was just thinking of how that's such a good analogy for a lot of things in our lives. And although you know, running, it's, it's not like everyone needs to run or anything like that, but there are a lot of different things in our lives that our, our mindset and our perspective towards that thing um, has a really drastic impact on, on what it means to us. Um, so like you could take other examples like skydiving, right? So there are some people that are like, would say skydiving is the coolest thing. I can't wait to go up in an airplane, perfectly good airplane and jump out and hope that the parachute saves my life on the way down. Some people would love that, whereas like most sane people would probably say that it makes no sense, right? So your mindset towards that thing has a drastic impact on, on what you get out of the experience. So if you like skydiving, skydiving, then your mindset towards it is going to enable you to really enjoy it and to get something out of it that someone who has a different mindset isn't going to be able to. And I think this is really important. You know, this applies to our relationships too. I was thinking about how it applies, you know, to, to our marriages, to our most significant relationships. And if you've been married for any length of time and haven't yet learned that marriage is both, you know, incredibly rewarding, but also incredibly difficult, then you could be really confused about your marriage or your relationship. Why is this so hard? Why is it so frustrating? Because your mindset towards it has a lot to do with how you're going to experience it. And uh, I'm sharing all of those thoughts to, to hopefully give you an idea of what it means to approach this prayer, God break me. Um, because our, our mindset, our perspective on the difficulties that we face in life is what's going to determine our capacity to fulfill the calling that God has for us. And I want to say that again, that our, our mindset, our perspective on the difficulties we face in life will determine our capacity to fulfill what God has for us. And so this whole prayer about God break me is about allowing ourselves to have a mindset shift about what difficult situations mean. And um, James, in, uh, in James chapter 1, there's this verse, again, probably many of you are familiar with this, but James 1 verse 2 to 4 he makes this crazy statement, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And if you just leave it there, it, it's, like, it's like running, it's like skydiving, it makes no sense, right? Why would I consider it joy when I go through a difficult circumstance? Because our mindset's really important. He says, because this is why you need to consider it pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith through these trials is going to produce something. So I can consider it joy. I can have a mindset towards difficulty because I know that this testing is going to produce perseverance. 
And he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so James is telling us we need to have a mindset towards difficulty because it enables us to come into maturity. And you can kind of flip it around and think about it this way. You know, a lot of us, our prayers, we're talking about dangerous prayers. Our prayers are all around, God, help me to avoid difficulty. And if, if you want to look at it kind of literally, you could almost say that when we pray, God, help me to avoid difficulty, we, we're actually putting a, a limitation on our ability to grow into maturity. If we're just praying it from that sense of like, God, I just don't want anything difficult. If, if our mindset towards life is, you know, that of, I think, many Christians, which is, if I'm following Jesus, I shouldn't encounter anything difficult. If that's our mindset, it actually limits our ability to grow in maturity because the reality is that we are going to face difficulty. And our mindset towards that is either going to bring us frustration with Christianity, um, a, an attitude of anger towards God because we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through, or it enables us to grow into something. It enables us to grow into maturity. It increases our capacity to fulfill um, the God-given calling that we, that we all have on our lives. So um, the, I was kind of thinking about it this way, that praying God break me is almost like saying God push me out of the airplane. I'm not sure yet if I like skydiving, but I'm just going to believe that if you bring me to a, a circumstance or a situation that forces me to decide whether I'm going to trust you or lean into you or not, then I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do that because I want the opportunity to grow and mature. Um, so what does all of this have to do with a jar of nard? Let's go back to that story we read at the beginning, and I'll give a little bit more context because I think this this chapter from Mark ties a couple of things together, but this story we have of this woman, um, I want to look at it and see what it shows us about living a broken life. What is it that leads us to brokenness, and what, what are the effects that being broken should have on our lives? Because um, it's, it's clear in this passage that Jesus is, you know, in a sense, looks up to this woman, that he, he, he endorses her actions, even though the people around him we're going to see don't. So let's read that again. So while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. So let me give you now the backstory to this. So the first thing we need to understand is that this, this woman is a prostitute. Um, and kind of well-known. Um, and so there's other gospels that, that recount this where the people there with Jesus kind of comment and say like, you know, Jesus, everyone here kind of knows this woman's past. We know that, you know, she makes her living this way and it's, you know, it's this terrible thing and, and they kind of look down on her. And so it's important to, to recognize that, that that's the context for this. This is who this person is. She has a history. She has um, kind of these, these issues that are known to the people there. And she's coming into the presence of Jesus. Um, so that's kind of number one. The other thing is that this very expensive perfume is essentially the value of a year's wages. And so we have to bring that into context that, you know, very expensive perfume. I don't know what you spend on perfume or whatever. Is it, it's very expensive, $80, $100. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars worth of perfume that she is just pouring out in one incredible act of just 
generosity and and just like this complete expression of love and gratitude towards Jesus. So we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And not only that, but um, in the context of this day, that perfume is the way that she would advertise her services. And so not only is she, you know, this broken woman coming into the presence of this incredible teacher, this incredible person, um, but she's, she's also extravagantly giving tens of thousands of dollars worth of something in this one moment. But she's also giving Jesus in this moment her future security because, you know, when she pours this out, she has no means to advertise her services. Um, so she, she's taking this opportunity and she's saying, God, I give you my future. I give you my security. I give you all of this. And she is just expressing the fact that she's completely broken. And so I want to think about a couple of things. I want to think about what happened to this woman before this, this encounter that led her to this. And, and then also think about what's going to happen after this. Like, you know, sometimes we read Bible stories like this and it's like, oh, you know, that's amazing that she did that. But I was thinking, you know, when she left, how did she feel? Did she have some sort of remorse? Like, what have I just done? Like, I have just, okay, now the reality is hitting her. What, how am I going to make the money that I need to buy food for the next week? I, like, I don't know, but th those would be the things that she would be facing after. But I think before this, I think this woman must have had an encounter with Jesus where she, her brokenness was visible and she recognized that he loved her. Because the only reason that someone, you know, does something of this extravagance and kind of recklessness is that she had some kind of an encounter with Jesus. And so I think it's really important to recognize that um, it was that encounter with Jesus that I think put her in touch with her brokenness. So we're all broken at some level. And as soon as we kind of say that, I, I was thinking about this in myself, we begin to compare our brokenness, right? And so maybe you read this story and you're kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, she's like, she's really broken. She, she's broken in some different way that like I'm not broken maybe to that level. And it's, it's really easy to compare. And so it's important as we think about what it means to be broken that we're not looking at other people, but we're recognizing and we're allowing, you know, our, our encounters, our times with Jesus to reveal the brokenness in our own lives. Because it's that, it's that recognition of our own brokenness that brings us to this, this moment of decision that this woman came to where she had to decide what she was going to do with that brokenness. And I think brokenness, you know, a, a situation like what this woman is, faces, is facing that, that kind of confronts us with our brokenness. And, and we may be confronted in different ways. Maybe we're confronted with, uh, you know, uh, this feeling of brokenness and helplessness when we lose our job or when we have just a major relational breakdown, or maybe when someone that we're just really close to passes away. And it just, it suddenly brings to the surface all of these things that were kind of buried. And so, again, think about this woman, you know, maybe it's been years that she's kind of been living this life, but something happened that put her in touch with the brokenness of the situation. And, and it put her into a situation where she couldn't be complacent anymore. She had to decide what to do with her brokenness. And when we, we come into those moments, I think brokenness can drive us. What it does is drives us in one of two directions. So I think brokenness is either going to lead us to extreme selfishness 
or it's going to make us unbelievably generous. Um, so when we lose our job or, or we're confronted with that situation, we can either become completely me-focused or we can allow God to use it to make us completely other-focused. I think brokenness can also lead us either to want to fit in at all costs or it can drive us to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I, I just, I need this change. And um, I think brokenness can also make us um, incredibly defensive. It can make us build walls around ourselves and protect ourselves from any future pain. Or it can make us honest with ourselves and vulnerable and real and authentic. Um, and finally, I think brokenness can lead us ultimately to either become increasingly independent or it drives us to just say, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to be completely dependent on Jesus. So I think those are kind of the decisions we need to make. So when we pray, God, I want you to break me and situations confront us, there are a couple of different directions we can, we can take. Um, and so we want brokenness ultimately to drive us towards um, Jesus. The other thing that I think is so cool in this story is that we see the reaction of the people around Jesus to her brokenness and to the way that she expresses her brokenness. Um, and so if you read in the other Gospels that, account, um, that tell the same story, they, they bring in some other things. So one of the things is that um, people kind of challenged her character. And um, one of them, one of the, the tellings of this story says that one of the people there kind of said to himself, like, man, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would know who this woman is. Like, you know, she's not deserving of even being in his presence. Like, how can she do this when she has this past? And I think it's so cool that when we are broken and we approach God out of brokenness, it gives us an access to him that is, you know, completely not aligned with our past. And, and, and so, it, you know, I think about it this way, that some, sometimes you, you hear about someone that's like praying and they're, they're praying for God to do something in their lives and God answers that prayer. And sometimes, you know, we get self-righteous and we get frustrated and we're like, well, they, they don't deserve it somehow because of this situation in their life or because they're living this way or they're caught up in this um, sin or whatever that we, we might be aware of. But I love that when we approach God out of that brokenness, it doesn't matter. Um, he takes us who we are and he's willing to connect with us and, and bless us and be with us regardless of our past. And so uh, when we approach God out of brokenness, it, it frees us from whatever it is in our past. Um, the other thing is that people kind of questioned her wisdom in this process. And so they were like, man, you know, pour a drop on Jesus, but don't break the whole thing. Don't spend these tens of thousands of dollars in this one moment. Like, how foolish is that decision to approach Jesus out of this reckless act of abandonment? And, um, and they, they're kind of even questioning Jesus. Like, why would you let her do this? This is so reckless. We could have we sold this perfume and given some of the money to the poor. Look how good like we are that we could do this. And I love that Jesus just kind of dismisses all that and acknowledges that just the, this act of abandonment and brokenness before him is he, he loved that. And so sometimes our, out of our brokenness, um, it leads us to, to do things for, for God and do things for Jesus that just don't make any typical sense, but that's okay. And, and I think, um, you know, when, when we approach God out of brokenness, it, it, 
it enables us to access the economy of God's kingdom too. And in God's kingdom, the principles of this world don't apply the same way. And the things that most people would say are wisdom, they're not because we're living under God's kingdom and we're approaching him in brokenness and it enables us um, to access that kingdom economy. And so I want us to keep those things in mind that, that out of brokenness, we have kind of these two different paths that we can take and we want to make sure that it drives us toward Jesus. And when we begin to act as Christians out of a, a posture of brokenness before God, it's going to cause us to do some things that don't make sense to other people and that's okay. Um, Jesus was so, I think, proud of this woman's actions and what she did um, and, and just was like, this is it. This is what it means to live broken. Um, and so Mark kind of continues and he uses, like I was emphasizing that terminology, broken and poured, um, to talk about, you know, communion, which a lot of us are, are um, familiar with. And so just to read that passage again from Mark 14, 22 to 24. So as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them. They all drank it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Um, when Luke recounts this, um, he adds something. Again, we're probably familiar with this. So Luke says he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And um, most of us would be familiar with the idea that doing this is kind of the idea of doing communion, of taking some juice and some bread and drinking it and eating it and taking a moment to reflect on his sacrifice and on his body. Pretty much everyone would agree on that. Um, but I actually think that Jesus was saying, do more than just kind of the ritual of communion. I think he was talking about living a, a broken, poured out, empty life. And that the, the ritual, if I can put it that way, of communion, of just taking a cup and bread and drinking it, eating it, um, was supposed to, is supposed to remind us to approach him with a complete brokenness with a, an attitude of, God, I want to be broken before you. I want to be aware of my brokenness. I want to be poured out and emptied of myself. I want to live a life that isn't in my own strength, but is completely dependent on you. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be um, controlling. I don't want to be defensive. I want to be open and vulnerable and generous, and I want to live that life. And so I want to kind of in this just challenge you even in your perspective of communion that it's not just something that we do every now and then and and you know when we're not having regular services right now we we haven't really had communion together and i, I want to encourage you maybe even after the service or sometime this week you know you don't have to be here you don't have to be in a service to just take communion and to allow that thing that that jesus encouraged us to do to remind us and to keep us aware of just our own brokenness our own um, just humanity. Because I think what Jesus did so well is he so embodied both, um, you know, unbelievable and supernatural strength, but also weakness. And somehow he was able to connect with people, even though he was also doing miracles and doing all these amazing things. And uh, I think he demonstrated something that um, brokenness unlocks, which is our ability to connect to people. Um, 
you know, we can relate to people based on our strengths and maybe our common interests. But if you think about your really close, your really meaningful relationships, they're forged in moments of brokenness. Um, you know, you don't get really close to someone when you see them and you're like, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. You don't feel really close after that. But when you ask someone that's close to you, how are you doing? And they say, I'm having a really hard time. Immediately, you can connect. Immediately, it gives you this opportunity to, to have empathy for one another and to feel each other's pain. And, you know, I, I don't know quite how this works because Jesus was fully God, but he was also somehow fully man. And, it's, and he had such an amazing ability to both do these miracles and to heal people and to, you know, I think if I had a friend that was well known for turning water into wine at a wedding, I think part of me would be like, you know, feel like they're un, I can't connect to that. Like he, you know, how can I be friends with or relate to someone that's able to do these supernatural things? But Jesus wasn't like that. Somehow people flocked to him, even though he was clearly like this perfect person with amazing abilities. He was also so relatable and we were, you know, he was so connectable and people just wanted to be around him. And, you know, I think brokenness, enables us to fulfill our calling in God because our calling in God has to do with relationships. It has to do with connecting to people. And we say at Harvest, you know, life is better together. And that's not just, you know, life is awesome when you have lots of friends. What we believe is that deep, real relationships are where the fulfillment and joy of life can come from and where God's calling in our lives are ultimately filled out. And no matter what you know, little pieces we have to play. We have our jobs and we have, you know, the teams that we serve on and the things that we do. But ultimately, we're caring about people. We're connecting to people. Dr. Henry Cloud has this awesome thought about tear ducts. And, uh, you know, like we don't, the Bible doesn't say anything about this necessarily, but he just said, it's so interesting that our tear ducts are in our eyes. And, you know, obviously we take that for granted, but arguably our tear ducts could have been anywhere. They we could have had tears coming out wherever but it's so interesting that when you see someone crying for whatever reason you you're looking them in the eye and there's you know there's there's nothing more connecting than this you know you're not going like oh i see you're crying i i can see that you know but you're you're looking at them in the eye and you you are connecting with them and seeing their brokenness and so it, you know it's so important that we remember that although we can relate to people around our strengths. We, we connect to people, we connect to each other through our brokenness. So I think that praying this prayer, God break me, is essentially saying, God, I want you to, to bring me into an awareness of my brokenness. And that's why it's dangerous because it, it's going to force us to face things in our lives, kind of the ultimate deepest things. And, and it's going to force us to decide what we're going to do with that brokenness. And that's a dangerous place to be because, like I said, there's these two very different ways we can respond to brokenness. As, as I kind of conclude and wrap this up and we think about, and you think about what it may mean to pray this prayer, God break me, I really want you to take some time and just kind of consider the implications. And as I was reading this book and kind of preparing for this message, I was talking with my wife Britt and I was just saying, um, like, are you okay with this? Because 
I feel like this is a conversation we need to have as a family because if we really, truly, genuinely pray, God break us, it, I feel like it opens us up to anything and, and any situation and it scares me a little bit. You know, I think about, um, to me, one of the weirdest stories in the Bible is when um, God asked Abraham to, to sacrifice his son. And sometimes I kind of imagine that when I think about praying this prayer of brokenness and, and I don't want to for a second come across like I'm there or I, I have this figured out. I really feel like of all the messages I've shared, this is maybe the one that I'm least confident I have figured out or that I'm there or whatever. But praying that prayer scares me because like what if God were to say, you know, or, or ask and bring me to that point of like, what about your kids? What about your family? Do you trust me with that? And, you know, that story doesn't make sense to me because I, I think, you know, how could God ask Abraham to do that? But I think what God was doing is bringing Abraham to a point of confronting the, you know, the deepest things in his life and saying, do you trust me with that? And so this prayer and praying it genuinely is dangerous in that sense because God may bring you to that place of confronting deep, deep parts of who we are and, and challenging whether or not we trust him with them. And so I want, you know, when I say pray genuinely, like hopefully all of our prayers are genuine, genuine at some level, but, you know, I think there's a difference between like praying before a meal and how real, truly engaged we are with that prayer versus praying a prayer like God break me. And so I want you to kind of like take some time and mull it over and think about what it means before you pray that and um, make sure that you're really leaning into it and, and connecting with it and being honest. You're not just kind of flippantly like, oh, that was a good message. Yes, God, break me. But considering the implications and saying, and like really honestly, genuinely saying, God, I want this in my life. I want to be brought to a place where I have to decide to trust you completely. And, um, you know, if, if you're maybe feeling like I'm not quite there or, um, you're just honest with yourself that I'm not sure I trust God that much to bring me to that place and that he's not going to hurt me and um, whatever. That's, that's fine. I, and I, I think it's really important not to rush into like, well, I'm going to just pray it anyways, but just take your time. And maybe like this is what I've been praying is God, make me want to be broken. Like make me want to pray this prayer because right now I don't feel like I'm there yet. But God, reveal more of who you are so that I can trust you enough to pray that prayer. And another way that maybe you can kind of start is, you know, from the message last week, we were, we were praying, God, search me. And hopefully you've been praying that this week. And hopefully God has been revealing things to you in your life that maybe need to change. And so a way of kind of starting this ball rolling is saying, God, break that area in my life. And so maybe God was showing you your pride or your anger or your selfishness or, or addiction, or maybe your, your viewing habits on Netflix. And, and he's revealing that these things in your life are, are not, you know, building your relationship with him, but they're taking you away. And so you can begin by saying, God, break, break me in that area of my life confront me with that area of my life. And as you move through that, I think what happens is our trust, we, we realize on the other side of that, oh, God does have my best interest in mind. He does have, you know, a great plan for me that this was limiting me from. And, and that enables us to say, okay, God, break me in other areas of my life. Challenge me in other areas of my life. Um, and so hopefully we can get to a place, and I kind of want to read this because 
and, and maybe you know you can look at this in your notes and read this right now or maybe later this week but um, it's it's good I think to have something kind of specific and and so uh, this is a way that you can pray this God break me so I can be fully dependent on you whatever it takes God I want to know you intimately and serve you faithfully because I trust you God do whatever it takes break me so I can know you And this is the prayer that we want to be able to pray. Maybe you feel like you can pray it right now, and that's amazing. Maybe you feel like you're not there yet. Um, Like I said, you can pray, God, make me want to pray that prayer. But let's lean into that this week and just see what does it bring up in your life when you consider praying that? What are the, the areas of your life where you don't completely trust God, where maybe you still have fears and things revealing a a part of you that doesn't completely trust him, that you're not able to give to God. Because he he wants to have us wholeheartedly. We want to be completely, fully devoted um, followers of Jesus. And, And being brought to that place of brokenness is what will bring us to complete dependence on him. And I'm so convinced that even though I'm not there in the areas of my life where I have trusted him, where I have said, okay, God, I'm willing to give you that, He's always been good. He's always been faithful. And it's always brought me more fulfillment, more joy, more peace. And, and I just want to continue that through my whole life. And I hope that this morning it, it inspires you and maybe challenges you, but encourages you to trust God more deeply. And so I just want to close by praying for us. I'm praying this for me, but also for, for you, for us as a church, as we look towards September, and we're just excited of the sense that we have that God's leading us towards something significant. And I love the series that we're doing leading up because I think it prepares each of us individually for, for the pieces that we're going to have to play in that. So God, I just thank you for, for your goodness, God, that you are trustworthy. And even if there's parts of our lives where there's pain and there's frustration and things we don't understand where maybe we don't trust you, God, um, that we just, we know from your word, we know that you're good. And I just thank you for that, God. You're faithful and you, you aren't, you know, trying to break us out of this mean-spirited taskmaster kind of attitude, but, but you want us to be dependent on you because you know that that's how we were designed to live and that that's where fulfillment and joy and peace is going to come from, God. And so this morning, God, I just ask that, that your presence would be with everyone and that what they would sense is your goodness and what they would sense is your trustworthiness and your faithfulness, God, and that it would just lift them out of a, maybe a fear of what's going to happen and that it would um, lift our faith, God, and enable us to say, God, break me. If there's anything in my life that's keeping me from living completely dependent on you, break it, God. I don't want anything to hinder me from being completely dependent so that I can, I can, I can be fulfilled. I can live out the calling that you have for me. So God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the stories we're going to hear, I think, in the days to come of people that said, you know, I prayed that prayer and it, it was hard. It, it was difficult and it, you know, maybe did challenge the very core of who I thought it was. But in the end, I'm closer to Jesus and I'm, I'm so excited about what he has for me, God. I thank you in advance for those testimonies and what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen.